Welcome back, everybody. It's time for one of our favorite shows, the next installment of This Week with Wendy. The only show where you find real talk about the real SoCal estate of mind. With our host, Wendy Ross, who after decades of working at real estate brokerages in Silicon Valley in Orange County, she decided it was time for something different. So she did. She blew up the market. She created something we've never seen before, Veracity Real Estate, all about bespoke client advocacy at all price levels. Something you just don't see in high-cost markets like this. Through it all, she's built a company of data-driven divas. That's the new word. They're data, data divas. Uh, whose job is to guide us into the truth, to take us where we don't want to go. And today, Wendy, I don't know if I want to go where you're going today here. Uh, this is a, this is one that I always wonder about. How do you figure out how much homes are worth? Well, given that it's a part and parcel to what I do for a living, it, it seems kind of <laughs> fundamentally important we talk about it, right? I guess so. I, I didn't think it's that hard, though, today. You just pick a price and you double it today. <laughs> just throw, yeah, throw a dart at <laughs> the board. Yeah, Triple it, maybe. Enough, whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's interesting because that's such a common misconception. I know you're kidding, but people do generally think that... Um, the appraisal is more art than science, and yeah. there are actually rules. <laughs> there are actually guidelines. Well, you've got some rule uh, rule uh, makers here today, maybe some rule breakers. I don't know. But uh, first, tell us what's the market doing today here. You said a couple weeks ago, uh-oh, uh-oh, starting to turn, starting to mm-hmm. turn in that sales are slowing down. It had to, partly because prices were kept going up and partly because mortgage rates go up. There, there's a whole lot of layers to this onion. So, yeah, I'm going to get into I mean, the show is called This Week with Wendy for yeah. a reason. So I'll get into what happened last we'll week. We'll talk about your guests later. But what happened this week? Well, <laughs> well, just speaking of our guest, Jackie Moya is here today. So let's not ignore the lovely woman sitting across <laughs> from me. That's right. She's president of Real Estate Valuations, Inc. And, and like I was saying, whenever you're buying or selling real estate, if you're financing it, you're going to get a – well. Most of the time, you're get, going to get an appraisal. Um, we're going to talk about what that involves. But yes, okay, before we dive into all things, Jackie, let me frame what happened last week in the market. So yes, Paul, we did get just a few more listings on the market. We had 509 come on the market, which is only a 3% uptick, which yes, like I've been saying, isn't enough. And we're going into peak summer months, and we're just... We're dragging ourselves into the market. The market is not skipping merrily along as we might hope. Uh, 441 went into escrow. That was down 3% from the week before. So again, moving in the wrong direction. We had 547 of them close escrow. That was up 8% because the week before we had a whole lot more go into escrow. And the median days on market, that ticked up one day. But again, again, let's remember that this reported median days on market is only for the homes that closed escrow. So those contracts were originated weeks and weeks ago. So what's happening right now is very, very different. Um, however, for those sold homes, the median price was up $1 million. That was up almost 1% from the week prior. Again, to my point earlier this year, we're going to bounce around a million dollars, I think, through the end of the year. It's not going to go up markedly. It's not going to go down markedly. We're going to bounce around that number. Um, our list price to close price ratio was about the same. It was 101.5, so it was up just half a percent. So again, that tells us that there's price stability there in spite of the fact we've got really puny numbers. And again, as much as I hate to admit Jonathan Lasner was right, he did point out last week that real estate market data is pretty unreliable, except for the closed sales data. The closed sales data is when we know what was the actual final price, how many days was it on the market, were there concessions made for this, and that's really the only real accurate data we get. Everything else is just sort of speculative. 
and in some cases aspirational <laughs> we'll talk about aspirational pricing in a minute um, and, and again the days on market like I said that's an old stale number right now um, homes that went into escrow in the last week they were on the market 30 to 36 days before they reached an agreement and the homes that are actively on the market have been on the market three to four weeks typically already so that's clearly showing us that instead of going into the summer months having homes sell faster we're going into the summer months and the crazy psychotic market that we had in 2021 is behind us and things are calming down so this shouldn't be interpreted as the sky is falling oh my gosh it's taking forever to sell a house no i mean in peak summer months the typical home in orange county would take between one and two months to sell so 30 to 60 days was completely normal for the summer so what we're doing is we're moving from abnormal into normal but people are freaking out what's the worst it's ever been i'm, I'm gonna ask you to pull a statistic out of nowhere here but i don't know what the down what the worst was but it seems like there was a period where it took four months five months six yeah months yeah well and and most commonly um it, real estate moves in all ways pretty much like a bell curve there are usually the fewest homes in the lowest price points the most homes in the middle range price points and again fewer homes in the highest price ranges right so generally speaking you would have fewer buyers the more expensive a property would become and therefore it would take longer for the more expensive properties to sell so a good rule of thumb was in a normal market in orange county in spring and summer the typical home would take you know two to three months to sell but the luxury and super luxury homes might take three to six months to sell and sometimes 12 months it just really depends upon the price point and it depends upon what it is you know if you've got a million dollar home in laguna woods and they exist you know, it's a high price point for Laguna Woods and it's age restricted. So you've got a narrower audience. You can expect those homes to take longer to sell. Um, and that's the kind of nuance that Jackie's going to get into with us. Good question, though. Let's bring Jackie because Jackie does what? She's in appraisals. We get so much praise for this show. I don't know. Are people going to praise appraisals here? Or, yeah. are, are appraisals the, the people that bring you the uh, bearers of bad news, or are they just the Santa Claus that tell you your house is worth five times what you thought it was? You know, it, it's. It, it, I'm going to let Jackie take her slings and arrows. <laughs> I swear to you. Um, and Jackie and I had a really a, a nice conversation before we went on air about how unique this market is. You know, and I didn't get into the weeds with her about that, but I'd like to um, quickly because. I've been opining that we're going to forever see fewer homes on the market. You know, we're just not going to resell them like we did before. Um, and it, I think it'll be a misnomer for, for consumers and the population at large to think, okay, we've still got limited supply, therefore prices are going to go up. I don't think that's necessarily the case either. So buyer demand differs for different reasons. Certainly the interest rate hike has had a big impact on it. So I'd really like to get your opinion on, on all of those things, Jackie. So first of all, Welcome, and thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Wendy. I'm just blown away that I reached out randomly through an email and said, want to be on my show, and she was really kind enough to take time out to do it. So, it My pleasure. She didn't lot. like our orange backdrop, though. She thought it was a little overpowering, I think, here. So. But she she matched today. I know. I'm, I'm making it work. You know what? That's a team player right there. That's a, that's a team player. Exactly. I'm just showing up with my blue hair, wearing whatever I darn well please. But no, Jackie's playing. Uh, she's playing nicely for you. But yeah, what have you seen lately? And when, what are your opinions about what COVID has done to the marketplace? Well, when COVID happened, the interest and the mortgage rates went so low, my mm -hmm. business just immediately increased. I'm sure. And for like two years, a little bit over two years, it's been 
super busy. I mean, I could have worked 24-7 if I was able to. But you wanted to stay married, so you didn't mm -hmm. work on Right, and I, I need sleep and that kind of stuff. Give me an idea. So in um, pre-pandemic, in kind of a typical market, how many appraisals would you do in a day or a week? Um, it's easier to answer by week. Okay. So, I mean, maybe like six. Uh, I don't know. It kind of. It's hard. Have we ever had a normal market? <laughs> I know, really? It doesn't feel like it, does it? Yeah. It's, I think there were, I've done as many as nine mm -hmm. in a week. Wow. And then and, in the pandemic, there was more? No. I think I would do about six. I see. Because okay. I, yeah, I don't have the energy that I would have as a younger person. <laughs> it's a lot of data. Yeah. And it's a lot of work. Sure. So sure. even doing six a week, you know, that's working seven days a week. Wow. What does that process look like? Like, uh, you know, you get notified, there's an appraisal order, and, and they give you the opportunity to accept it or not, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. And, and then what happens? And then you schedule the appointment, and then you uh, do research so that you have an idea as to what comps you think you're going to use. Mm -hmm. And I use a tablet when I do the inspection. So I load that all onto the tablet and drive the comps, take the pictures of the comps, um, do the inspection, mm -hmm. um, then get back home because um, I have a home office, mm -hmm. which is nice. Don't we all these days? I yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and then I start to work on the report and I would say the research and inspection for a typical house that alone might take around two hours mm -hmm. and then start working on the report that probably takes me another four hours so i i send out emails because we're supposed to attempt to verify the comps that we use with a party that's involved in the transaction mm -hmm. so i send emails to the listing agent and the selling agent if they're different mm -hmm. and if they're different yeah they're Don't not when we started on that one here. I We're going to go down that rabbit hole, darn it. We are. <laughs> Sorry, go on. So, and then, yeah, just working on the report and analyzing the comps and, you know, making the adjustments. And, mm -hmm. and, and that's something I was hoping we could get into a little bit because... I have conversations with home sellers all the time and, and they want to say, well, I've got, you know, all of this marble and I've got all these beautiful custom draperies and I've got this ocean view and all of this stuff is worth so much more money. And sometimes I have to burst their bubble and say, you know, it, it, you've got a home in a two and three million dollar community. You don't get to double the value for your view. That's not how this works. You know, right. it, what sort of guidelines are there around all of these adjustments? Um, really just analyzing the comps kind of against each other. I have a, a spreadsheet program that um, like you put in the number of bedrooms and it will kind of give you a range, but usually that range is humongous. Mm -hmm. So then I take that range and I look at the comps and it's kind of like a balancing act. Like you might make an adjustment up here for view and then as you go down, you know, that adjustment doesn't make sense. So mm -hmm. you kind of alter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're supposed to reflect what by how buyers are reacting. Right. And and just for those of you who are late people who are listening, comps means comparables. Oh, yes. It's homes that are like the home that we're evaluating. Um, and yet what, what the market wants and what the market is willing to pay for changes. It does. You know, we were just talking about that this morning. It's like we, we used to value things differently before than now. And, and I'm sorry, I glossed over this. But for those of you who are listening, Jackie's not new to this game. She's done no. my job and she's done real estate appraisal for 26 years no, mm -hmm. 20 uh, about 27 let's see no 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 23 years appraising and i did sales for about seven years so 
she is not a newcomer to this whole discipline. I mean, this is not something that you just started doing last week. You've been mm-hmm. doing this for a very long time mm-hmm. and very well respected, which is how we got to be connected quite some time ago. But yeah, it, it's fascinating. And before you were saying certain things add value now that didn't before. Can you talk about what those things might be? Yeah, or just bigger adjustments. Like I've been really surprised. Um, I've made the biggest condition adjustments I've ever made. And what do you mean by condition adjustment for people who don't know what that um, means? We have to... Okay, appraisers have to rate the condition of the property, and Fannie Mae has established these ratings. Mm-hmm. And so, basically, you can you compare the condition of one property to the other, and then, um, like, if it's a pretty average condition, mm-hmm. like it's I don't know, fifty year old home with very minimal upgrades, mm-hmm. versus let's say the same age home that's been completely remodeled. Got it. And so you adjust for that difference and. Yeah, I've just, it's the, it seems like buyers have really uh, said, no, we want to buy a a property that's in good condition and finance that Mm -hmm. instead of buying a fixer upper and having to come up with the money to fix the property. So you're seeing a really big premium, a value add for that. So this Mm -hmm. is good news for people who are thinking about selling their home. If you've got the means um, or you want to talk strategy, you may want to do the upgrades before selling it. And Mm -hmm. you may want to talk to someone who knows what buyers are asking for before you make the upgrades. Right. But interesting point, because it used to be, we would advise our clients 10 years ago, you're not going to get the money back for that new quartz countertop. But today you might. Today you might, and it's kind of, oh, I always, it's overall condition, mm-hmm. um, because you can't itemize each individual thing. That's sure. pretty impossible. Right, right. But right. like if a home has $50,000 worth of upgrade versus a home that doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, I kind of look at it as overall cost maybe of those upgrades. Sure. And what about intangible things? If someone says, um, you can't see it, but I've got wiring in the garage for an EV car charger. And we have, you know, whole new electrical panels and we've got a a whole house attic fan. Do those things add any value or is that fairly minimal? If it's just that, probably. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're comparing it to a home that has nothing, Mm -hmm. I would say yes. But if you're comparing it to a home that it has upgrades, but they're different, Mm -hmm. I would say probably not. A bit of a wash. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the most common misconception that I run up against when I'm training new agents and when I'm speaking to my clients is price per square foot. And oh. I have to keep explaining to them that the, the square footage for one that's noted in records was usually from the original builder records. Um, and it, it can be wrong by a little bit. So mm-hmm. it's like, this is not gospel. Like you're not going to make an adjustment for a, a 25 square foot difference. You're just, you know, that's a wash, right? It's, it's the same. Yeah. There's kind of standards for adjustments like lot size. Usually if it's a variance more greater than a thousand square feet, mm-hmm. you consider if there's an adjustment warranted age, it's like 30% difference. Mm-hmm. Um, living area, hundred, hundred square feet difference. Then you consider if adjustments are warranted. Exactly. Exactly. Well, like a, on a 2,800 square foot house, maybe not, you know, on a 1200 square foot house, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and there are things like functional utility, and I have this conversation mm-hmm. with my agents, and unfortunately, I've had to have this conversation with sellers, because sellers sometimes suffer under the misconception that if they have a little house like mine, like a little 1947 post-war house, mm-hmm. and they decide to just add a bedroom in a really strange place, or worse, add two bedrooms, and then not add a bad bathroom, so their right. flo- the flow of the house is all messed up. And now mm-hmm. there's, there's some functional obsolescence because you've got all these sleeping rooms, but not enough bathrooms to service them. Right. How do you address that? 
A lot of times that's why I send out emails to agents mm. because I can't, I wouldn't know that, especially right. about the floor plan. Oh, interesting. So that's so when I ask a question on the email, is there anything else that affected the value like floor plan, a death in the house or you know, Ooh, to try to point, get yeah. that information. Because there's stuff that's not obvious in in MLS mm-hmm. or even tax records. See, that's so, fascinating. All right. So do you always get responses when you ask? I, not always. Um, agents are pretty good. I would say at least I, I at least one of the agent gets back to me and maybe like anywhere from 50 to 100% of the comps. Like if I'm using six comps, mm-hmm. I get at least three responses, kind of a... Okay. I'm curious, have agents, when you've asked if there's anything else, oh. have, have you ever been really surprised by what they told you? Or is it pretty much like, yep, just confirming? You, just confirming, or they'll say, yeah, the floor plan wasn't really that good, or it seems like open floor plans are really popular. Mm-hmm. That has so, so much been the craze. Yeah. I could not believe it when I started noticing that the latest built tracks in Newport coast where we've got these like four and 5,000 square foot homes and they have three bedrooms or, you know, or sometimes two in an office. And I'm like, it's just all this open living space, you know, right. and I get it. It's all facing the ocean. So, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're giving you what you're paying for, but it's really interesting how homes have evolved and changed. Right. And, and, and given that you've seen such an evolution, I'm sure in the all in, you know, 30 years you've been in this industry can you break down the, the pros and cons? Like, what what do you think are wonderful things and not so wonderful things about being an appraiser? Okay. Um, the pros are, as a woman, you make the same amount as as men do. There's no, no pay gap. Pay gap. That's fantastic. <laughs> and you have a home office. Mm-hmm. No problem. You can work as much as or as little as you want. You have As long as you're meeting deadlines, nobody really cares what you're doing nice so basically. the flexibility sounds nice a lot, a like lot my of world. flexibility yeah. yes yeah. and then the cons are it's can be feast or famine mm. so there's times where you can really like work 24 7 mm-hmm. um and then there's times where you're kind of competing against other appraisers that are willing to significantly lower their fees wow so that happens it does happen See, yeah I, and i know a lot of us think that the fees are what the fees are no, but you can say I'll do that for fifty bucks less or whatever, and, and just to get the deal. Yeah, there's a yeah, there's a couple. We have to use AMC's appraisal management companies mm-hmm. for a lot, mm-hmm. and um, they'll broadcast orders uh, or ask for bids. Oh wow! And then so it, probably whoever's giving the lowest bid has the best chance of getting that. So interesting. Well, and let me just say again, for the the lay people who are listening, appraisal management companies are that sort of in between company. Um, It's a phenomenon that came about after the last meltdown, because a lot of people assumed sometimes correctly um, that lenders were collaborating with appraisers to arrive at a predetermined desired value for a property. So um, in order to avoid that, they've created this appraisal management intermediary and so a lender will order an appraisal from that middle market company and that company will then send it out to a pre-approved list of people the people have been vetted mm-hmm. but it's, it's a finite list of people as far as i know sort of randomly 
assigned, but it sounds like it's going out to bid and people are actually competing for it. So, mm-hmm. but steering towards an appraiser is very, very difficult to do these days, which is probably a good thing, but it's, that's the other kind of con is it's really difficult to become an appraiser. Really? Mm-hmm. It's easy, fairly easy to get your training license. You mm-hmm. just, you, there's some education you have to take and you have to pass the test, mm-hmm. but in order to upgrade to a license that you can actually do appraisals on your own, mm-hmm. you have to get experience. And that requires working underneath an appraiser, and a lot of appraisers don't want to train. Wow. So there's a mandated sort of apprenticeship process. Exactly. This is what I've been saying we should do for realtors. Yeah. You know, because I don't understand someone who just got their license going and helping someone sell, you know, a multi million dollar asset when they've never done it before. Right. So how long is that process usually, the mentoring? Um, to go from a trainee to the license I have, which mm-hmm. is certified residential, and you actually need that to do most lending. Mm-hmm. There's a license that's lower. It's called residential, but I don't even know what you can do with that license Right, anymore. okay. So certified residential, um, you it's a minimum of six months, wow. and I think it's 1,500 hours. Got it. So whichever comes first, probably. I no, think, less. no, it's 1,500 hours, and it can't be in less time than six months. Got it. That's yeah. very smart. We should so talk about that for real estate. Yeah, but I always tell somebody if they make sure you have somebody that can train you before you even attempt mm-hmm. to get your training license. Because otherwise, I know people who have gotten the training license and they and weren't they able get to trained. get Have you trained others? Um, yes, but only my husband and my daughter. <laughs> I love it. So it's a family affair. It's a family affair because it, it it's hard to train somebody and it's not, there's no cost benefit to it. Trust me. I know. <laughs> well, I guess for me, there's a cost benefit because they're my agents. And so, you know, I'll get a, a piece of the action, the more effective I make them. But right. yeah, that's really interesting. So do you think that this is part of the con- the contributing factors towards the shrinking um, number of appraisers or it? Are- mm-hmm. I think it could be. And, and then a lot of the appraisers are at, get, reaching retirement age. Mm-hmm. And we were talking a little bit beforehand about that, that I didn't realize that perhaps there were too many appraisers anyway. Mm-hmm. Especially in California. Okay. So we're There's just getting a to a, a level where we probably should be is what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Maybe that will stabilize the pricing for you. I hope so. I, I do have some clients that they pay this. They, they're paying the same, even though the market slowed down. So those are the best clients to get and find and keep. No kidding. <laughs> and, and and darling, that's true in all walks of life, right? Just mm-hmm. show me your appreciation and let's be consistent, shall we? <laughs> so I'm always um, a bit jaded. I don't, I don't know if you've listened to many of my shows, but my snarkiness sometimes leaks out. Um, and I have um, varying degrees of respect for my own peers. So what, if anything, would you hope that real estate professionals and brokers understood about appraising? We're only as good as the data that we have to work with. Um, if you have a really unique property with something that's really unique, it's we're supposed to bracket everything. Mm-hmm. And what does sometimes that mean, bracket? Um, like if you, I don't know, let's see. I mean, if you've got a pool and a spa, you need to have at least one of your comps to have a pool and a spa. Oh, okay. If you've got 10 bedrooms, you need to have one of your comps to have at least 10 bedrooms if, or more, you know. Wow. You know, kind of a thing. So we're have, that's kind of a lender thing where they want you to bracket okay. stuff. Okay. I know sometimes uh, at the emails I send out, it really helps a lot when they re- get back 
and I'll confirm the sale and any information that would be helpful. Like the 10 bedrooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're really there. That's it. Have you actually seen a 10 bedroom house? No, I can't say that I have. Okay. Like, <laughs> that that would just be a really big house. Up. That yeah. would be a big house. Yeah. Yes. How funny. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And I used to, and you're so much nicer than many appraisers. <laughs> I've met a lot of appraisers over the years. I would always train my agents. Do not pester them. <laughs> Leave the people alone. These are professional people. They're they're licensed. They're credentialed. Stop pestering them and don't follow them around the house and don't shove wads of paper at them. <laughs> you know, be a little respectful here. And Jackie's like, it's okay. Well, I have yeah, I have left stuff. I don't mind receiving that information, mm-hmm. but when they give it to me when I first get there, I'll have to lay it down because I've got a. A you know messenger bag with my laptop in it and yeah as I can't really handle that paperwork but then I forget to take it sometimes and I feel bad right it's like give it to me at the end <laughs> yeah they're well, okay tip to people mm-hmm. yeah appraisers yeah. hands are full and and their timeline is tight so let them get around that house and get that done right it's funny sometimes and I don't mind getting comps from from agents either but sometimes it's like oh, okay you. You search by price. <laughs> right. You, you, you realize I can't do that, right? <laughs> well, yeah, right. I mean, and, and what are sort of the, the hard and fast rules about what you can and can't do when selecting comparable sales? That's what's kind of hard is that there aren't any. Mm. <laughs> really. I mean, I know like I used 15% plus or minus on the GLA. Um, sometimes that's all I do. That's gross that. living area. Oh, yes. Gross living area. <laughs> Sometimes that's all I do, but if like if you have a larger lot home, mm-hmm. sometimes I'll also do by lot size. I will you know restrict the search by lot size. Sometimes if it's let's say 1950s home and you've got in that neighborhood you've got homes that were built in the 2000s, mm-hmm. I'll eliminate those. Right. But usually a lot of times just eliminating the square footage or minimum, you know. And you're making such common sense statements here about, you know, okay, this was built in a completely different era. Let's compare apples to apples. And, right. And this one has an extraordinarily large lot size. Let's compare apples to apples. In your opinion, is this something that is um, that is accurately reflected in AI and it's these AVMs? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I've seen them where they've been fairly accurate and I've seen them way off okay i think when markets are changing rapidly they mm-hmm. they can't keep up and that makes sense mm-hmm. you know yeah i mean it's hard for appraisers to keep up right to be honest right <laughs> it's difficult you know and when i know from my perspective what i do in terms of recommending a value for a client is a bit different from what you do uh, from my seat also i have to find a way to diplomatically explain to a seller that the buyer's appetite like the likely buyer for you is going to be probably in this age range you know if it was a home with you know three to six bedrooms they're probably going to have kids they're probably going to be you know skew younger than you mr and mrs 70 year old or whatever right. um, and current buyers tastes are this like they like the quartz they like the waterfall counters you mm-hmm. know and so these dark brown cabinets and the shag carpet probably not going to appeal to these people you know and, and these are conversations we have to have because that will sort of swing the value regrettably but it's not really a value oh. item so yeah this nuance is something that they just need humans for mm-hmm See, yeah. you need us, people. We're humans. <laughs> we're important. We're data divas, darn it. But we're going to take a quick break. I know Paul's over there cracking up. He's going to uh, tell us a little bit about our sponsor, then we'll, we'll be back. Absolutely. Um, well, you always surround yourself with good people. Today is no exception. And we want to do a shout-out, as always, to one of those that's been riding along since the beginning, and that's your sponsor, Ford and Diulio, an Orange County-based boutique litigation firm with experienced attorneys from the big law firms. So the partners who did create this concept did it with something very simple. 
aligned interests, where they're rewarded for being effective and efficient, not just dragging it out, and where they engage in the relentless pursuit of their client's goals, whether it's in litigation, mediation, or a trial. If you need a relentless person that's going to cut to the chase and get it done for you, maybe you should call FordDiulio.com, F-O-R-D-D-I-U-L-I-O.com, FordDiulio.com. All right, I always wait to ask a couple of questions here, and I had so many I could do, but in the short span, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a lightning round. You ready? Okay. Let's do a lightning round for Jackie here. I'm going to throw out three things, and you say you get your value back, it adds a lot to the house, or don't bother. Oh, okay. Oh, no pressure. All right. Pools. Oh, that really depends on the market. Oh, there, uh, there have been a lot of times that I have not made any adjustments for pools. Yep. I hear that over and over again. You know, yep. pools, what, 50 grand or something? But or some some people hate them as much as love them. Yeah. Yeah. There's buyers who won't even look at homes that have pools. Yep. Yeah. So if you think you're going to go uh, uh, increase the value of your house 50000 because I put 50000 in the pool, think twice. Yeah. And, and it depends on the market, too. But, mm-hmm. yeah. But, but you, really you need to put it in because you want it. Bingo. <laughs> For your own personal enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Okay. The other one that's always a hot button, if I buy a house, it's got to have this. And everybody says, who cares? <laughs> View. Oh, it depends. I have made a million dollar adjustment for a view in Laguna Beach. <laughs> a million dollar adjustment? Yes. Wow. Yes. That kind so of view, yeah. it really depends on the view. Because a view is just something you can't get anywhere else. I don't know. For people like me, I have a little tiny view. I don't have mm-hmm. a million dollar view, but I have some view. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Last one. Thinking about it right now. Solar. Ooh. Oh. Um, I. Okay, one thing about solar, Fannie Mae has said, if it's leased or a power purchase agreement, it's personal property. So it doesn't even get considered. Mm -hmm. Now, if it's owned, um, I have maybe 70, 30 as far as given value for solar. Okay. Um, Some of the, like, large... More expensive homes with large systems, it does seem like they've added value. Mm -hmm. And it seems like... Well, this is my assumption now, so I'm thinking about it, that uh-huh. as electricity gets more expensive, as the grid gets overtaxed, more electric vehicle stuff, that's my little pitch on elect- electrification of your home here. Mm-hmm. That would be a more important. But you're saying it's got to be owned. You can't yeah. just be Yeah, if it's leased it. or a power purchase agreement. I mean, you it, it gives you a benefit, but it can't be considered um, real property. Right, Got especially it. with a lease, because it could it could be removed and taken away. So is that why many times they say if you get to the point of closing, then you're going to, because a lot of these purchase agreements allow you to buy it out at some point in time or pay it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact, sometimes what I've heard, and you can confirm, is that the seller actually has to pay it off or the buyer won't I've buy it. In many cases. It's a, a really big point of contention right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And some of these solar um, purchase agreements, the, the finance terms are crazy. Oh, really? We saw one. It had something like a $20,000 fee to transfer the ownership. <gasps> oh, yeah. A wow. fee just to that. transfer it? And oh. it was a fee that was applicable upon death. So the seller who had the property died and their heirs had to pay something like $20,000 to assume the, the finance agreement. I'm like, that's egregious. That I didn't is. know that. I never heard of that one. Okay. Neither. I'm not going to say the name of the company, but read your solar agreements carefully, people. Yeah. yeah. You should do a show on wow. solar because I think everybody's thinking about it like I am these days here. And they're certainly swarming the neighborhoods with this sea of 
whatever they call themselves. These uh, they're not really the company; they're sort of independent reps that yeah, represent yeah, yeah. a company. Yeah, and they show up and they put real hard closes on the next door to door vacuum salesman. Now it's the door to door solar salesman. <laughs> it really is. Totally is. Really is. I get two or three a week. You know. Can I throw one more in? One more bonus one that you it's keep talking sure. about. It's your station. Go How about <laughs> ADU? Oh my gosh, that's the one thing I can say adds a lot of value, especially if they're permitted. Mm-hmm. I've made. What does ADU stand for? It's auxiliary uh, dwelling unit or something? Well, it's the granny. What I used to think of is the granny house in the background. Right. Yes, now we have to be BC. We can't say granny. No, you say grandpa. No, <laughs> it's I'm a accessory grandpa. dwelling unit. Accessory yeah, dwelling unit. Yeah, yeah, they add a lot of value. I don't know how much. I mean, I think they. That's one thing where you can recoup your cost. Right. Well, weren't you saying that even a one-bedroom ADU has significant value? Like it could be mm-hmm. hundred thousand. Yeah, I think I've made adjustments between one hundred fifty to hundred. Nice. And I can't wow. guarantee they'll stay that way. You mm-hmm. know, because mm-hmm. as the market changes, what people pay for things changes. And is that but, because of the convenience of having a loved one live you with you, your mom, your dad, I, somebody else, or is it? The income to help pay for this million-dollar house, I get a little income from that rental I in the back. I think it might more be the income. I guess it depends on the, the family or the buyer, but I think yeah, the I, income potential. I think you're right. I think it's probably a 50-50 split, you know, because I have an ADU at my house, and it has been occupied from the moment we moved in. Um, and we were thinking we were going to rent it out, but, you know, it ends up being family. But also, when my family does come visit, now I have to go and rent someone else's ADU for them. <laughs> so I do that. So is full. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a 50-50 split, but they are super attractive. It's a very, mm-hmm. very smart thing. And, and even though they're a bit spendy right now because labor materials are expensive, right. you're going to get your money back at least in the short run. So, you know. Yeah. So I hear pools, no. View, pools are iffy. It well, pools are iffy. Views, probably. If it's oh, a yeah. good view, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And um, solar, mm, think about it. Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. a cup in the air and ADUs, absolutely. That mm-hmm. would be how I would I would suss it out. And okay. remember, too, going back to solar, that California has mandated that home developers are required to put solar on the houses. On the new ones, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this is, you're right. This is definitely where we're going because we understand that our grid is obsolete and there are not enough funds to, to really remedy that. So no. we've got to find a plan B. Yeah, right. absolutely. So thank you. I was going to ask her about the solar. Okay, and- <laughs> that was the lightning round there. I thought that was cool. All right. Thank you, Paul. All right, so we gave you a, a little bit of a, a heads up on this. So every week I love to ask my guests my little version of the Proust, um, the Vanity Fair Proust questionnaire. <laughs> so first off, what city do you call home? Fullerton. I love it. How long have you lived there? Uh, 42 years. Oh, my no. goodness. Yeah. So you must hate it. No, I, I do. I, I really like it. I like the diversity in the population and the diversity in the real estate. Yeah. You, know, you have really tiny old bungalows and then mm-hmm. you have mansions on, you know, acre lots and, exactly. and, and everything in between. I love Fullerton. Yeah. I really do. And the wider streets and the big trees, this is the mature na- neighborhoods. And yeah. you were saying earlier, your husband likes to ride bikes and there's trails and it's wonderful. Yeah. Ugh. I really, really like it there. I love it. All right. So what's your most treasured possession? 
Um, be- maybe because I recently purchased it, I uh, my Tesla Model Y. Nice. Speaking of I energy savings, speaking of energy savings, and not buying gas anymore ever. <laughs> oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> I am so jealous. I think la- my bigger one would probably be my house. It's oh. the the only good investment my husband and I have made. <laughs> so, when, when did you buy this home? Um, we were very fortunate. His parents helped us, and we actually. Had our first wedding anniversary in this home. Oh, yeah! So our kids were raised there, and oh. um, so it's been. It'll it'll be. Let me see. Forty one years in October. We've been there. And what'd you pay for it? Forty one hundred dollars. I think it was sixty sixty thousand. <laughs> sixty thousand. Your car cost more than sixty. My head is yes, exploding. <gasps> wow, that is that is possibly the coolest story I've heard. I mm-hmm. love that. What kind yeah. of home is it? It's a, just a two story. It's actually a pud. A pud. Mm-hmm. It's a zero lot line pud. Mm-hmm. Which my husband really wants a a one story with a three car garage, and but it's like. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see getting a mortgage, a big mortgage at our at our age. Yeah, and so. the capital gains hit. It's going to be real. Mm-mm. We'll talk about that online. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Um, and given you've done this type of work, and you're, a, as you mentioned, a mom and a wife, and you've done so many things, what do you consider your greatest achievement to date? Um, I would have to say being married for uh, 42 years in December. I would have to agree with you now. (laughs) Where's the champagne for that one? I know. Seriously. Not easy, but yeah, we've survived the hard times. So I'm very thankful for that. Wow. Was COVID hard or was because you had so many years before COVID, you're like, just another thing. Yeah. COVID wasn't hard. I don't. Yeah. And I was so busy with work. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. See, so. that's a beautiful thing. Those of us who are essential workers, we were really busy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I've always said, you can't miss somebody if they never go away. So <laughs> you're welcome. We go away. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. I, I didn't think to ask you if you have one, but do you have a personal motto? I think um, uh, honor, honesty. Uh, yes. I really, I'm not perfect and I haven't always succeeded, but I really do try to be honest. I love you. That's why my company is called Veracity because truth matters, right? Yeah. All right. So finally, how can people get a hold of you if they want to reach you? Um, really, the best way is my email. Great. So it's uh, Jackie Moya, J-A-C-K-I-M-O-Y-A at gmail.com. Fabulous. And used- any lenders... I'm sorry. Yeah, say. no, I was going to say I used I had a website for a long time, but I never got anything from it. So a couple years ago, I'm like, ah, forget it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, people can see her here. She's lovely. She's incredibly talented. <laughs> She's been doing this a very long time. She's seasoned. All my lender friends out there, I want you to put her on your list and I'll hit you up later. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to let Miss Moya go because I know she's a busy human. But thank you again so much for being here. Thank you, Wendy. I really appreciate it. It was fun. All right. Yes. All of you listeners out there, you can find me on Instagram and LinkedIn, or you can subscribe to my show wherever it is you like to listen to podcasts.